0: Welcome to another edition of the Born in 87 podcast. So Adam, uh, are you as miserable as I am after uh, just a a lovely week of Jets football in week one?
1: I don't know what people thought they were getting. What's the matter with Jeff fans? This team was bad. It was going to be bad. What did you think was going to happen when they played the Bills? You thought they were going to magically beat them? They have a terrible team. We've been talking about this for weeks. The Jets told us, oh, everything's terrible. Like, yeah, everything's terrible. Where's everyone else been? This team sucks. I'm not
2: surprised I, or disappointed. I, I, I did think they, I
0: thought that I bad. thought they could cover. I did oh, think stop they. It. <laughs> it was frustrating. I mean, I guess for
1: me, why was it frustrating? They don't have a team. You're not going to be able to play uh, well against a playoff team when your your roster is bereft of talent.
0: I guess these are good points.
1: Bereft? I think I made up a word. Bereft of talent.
0: Oh, I think that's a word. I don't know if you're Direkt? using a prop. I don't know if you're using it properly. I don't either. Okay. Before you we sad? ramble...
1: You, you're actually sad, Justin.
0: I I think I'll use the line. I'm disappointed. I'm not sad. I'm disappointed. They don't uh, have any
1: linebackers.
0: We that they're magically going to have a good defense yeah. without any linebackers. I thought they might at least try to do something creative on offense, as opposed to all the dinking and dunking <laughs> that they did. When Maybe they try. Ever, all right,
1: we're, we're getting too far down the road. Sorry, why don't we don't tell the listeners what we're doing today.
0: Yeah, so it's a very special day on the Born in 87 podcast. We have our second ever guest, and he's going to join us uh, for the whole pod and also in the tortured fan corner. It's Mr. James Arnone. How are you doing tonight?
2: I'm doing great. Thank you both for having me. This is definitely a bucket list item to be on any podcast. Well, be on a podcast, <laughs> period. Not just yours, but I'm glad that this is my first, and I'm really excited <laughs> to be here, guys.
1: And you are going to join us as we dissect uh, what was a horrible week one for the New York Jets. Ugh.
0: Yeah. So before, uh, so before we uh, get into week one, um, let, let's discuss. Uh, you're, you know, you're here. Uh, we want to put you in the uh, tortured fan corner so uh you you are a jets fan you're an islander fan you're a yankee fan um i I guess let's start out what what is the what is the tortured jet memory that you want to share tonight in the tortured fan corner
2: so i'm not gonna lie when i knew i was coming on here i did a little bit of research and backtrack and thinking about some of the wonderful memories i've had being a jets fan you know i could go the obvious route and say the butt fumble I could talk about the AFC Championship, you know, come on, they couldn't throw one fade pass in that in the first and ten, four straight runs, and here we are today. I feel like if they would have won that game, gone to the Super Bowl, maybe we'd be talking a little bit differently today, but alas, here we are. Um, you know, for me, I want to say one of the worst Jets memories I have, it was a random game in the middle of September 2012. They played the 49ers, I was at the game, I was all excited, hyped up, you know, had a few... Big Boy Sodas at the game was really getting into it. And then they go on. Not only did they lose 34-0, but I remember yelling (laughs) at some guy named Kaepernick, Kaepernick. I don't remember his name that well, but it was his first time ever playing football. And I was making fun of him profusely. And then later that year, he's playing in a Super Bowl. So, yeah, it just sums up the life of a Jets fan for me.
0: Uh, yeah, that, that that sounds about right. I think that's also very fitting because uh, eight years later They're about to play uh, the San Francisco 49ers this that's week. That's true. Again. What a delightful right?
1: transition. And uh, And I think they're going to lose this week as well, though I I see some people on Jets Twitter thinking they might actually win, which seems ridiculous.
0: Yeah, I mean, you you got a San Francisco team coming off a terrible loss to the uh, Arizona Cardinals. I I think they're going to be angry. And as James said, the last time they played at MetLife Stadium, it was not pretty for the New York Jets. Uh, MetLife Stadium was open in 2012? Yeah. Come on, Adam.
1: Yeah. i don't know i've only been to a couple jet games in person <laughs> i live in new england I, i've only been to bet life once sorry i didn't know when it opened i just know it's, it's terrible. it opened
0: in 2010.
1: 2010 oh two years so, i'm so sorry hey guys you see the ram stadium it's so nice yeah oh, how it, many it, it, times did they say the broadcast yeah oh my god so, stadium, stadium
0: that maybe people will start being able to go to in 2030
1: It actually it's
2: pretty nice looking
0: <laughs> looks looks no, great on say, tv man, like
2: it does I want to make fun of them for the amount of times they lauded it, but come on, what are we going to? MetLife Stadium is just a piece of concrete in the middle of a parking lot. They couldn't even do the right thing and name it JetBlue Stadium, like Jets, Big Blue. It would have been perfect, but they couldn't even get that right. They couldn't put a roof on it, and And yeah, it's just a disaster.
0: And it's not even in the right place. It's in frickin' New Jersey. I mean, I, I I can understand the Giants playing in New Jersey because they have a lot of fans in New Jersey. Then they should be called the New Jersey Giants. But that's neither here nor there. The Jets don't have any fans in Jersey. The Jet fans are from Long Island. They're from Queens. They should have put the stadium either like on Long Island or you know in Queens next to uh, City Field. But the you know the brilliant J- Woody Johnson uh, you know couldn't couldn't figure that out ten years ago. Ambassador
1: sorry. Woody Johnson, just You must uh, use oh, his official title.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, sorry, we're, we're, uh, we're, we're going off on a tangent here. Before we leave anyway. Tortured Fan Corner, though, so so James, um, yes. so me and Adam, we are not the biggest hockey fans in the world, and I know you are a diehard New York Islanders fan. So first off, I'd like to say, so I know you are a Jet, a Yankee, and an Islander fan. I think it's a little bit of an interesting combination. How did it uh, come to be that you rooted for those three teams?
2: So I was always an Islander fan. That was my first fandom, started watching hockey back in 1996, Um, and you know, just growing up 10 minutes from the Coliseum, my family members were all Islanders fans, that was my first love. Um, Yankees happened because when I was starting to get into baseball, like many of you, it was just the middle of the 90s, and I didn't really have, you know, my my family was indifferent, most of my friends, as you know, were 50-50, so I didn't really have a team to go on by that. So it's just okay. The Yankees are fun to watch. They're winning. You got this guy, Derek Jeter, young up-and-comer, and, and, you know, the rest is history there. So that kind of made me become more of a Yankee fan. Although I will say I do root for the Mets. I enjoy going to Citi Field way more than I enjoy going to Yankee Stadium. So if if we're ever allowed to go back to either stadium, I would much rather prefer to go to Queens. Um, And as far as the Jets go, that's another one that just, I kind of became a football fan of my own. And, uh, all of my friends are Jets fans, so that was the one easy decision for me. It just made it very... Uh, it, it was the right move for me just to become aligned with all my friends. But, you know, here we are, how many years later, that we're still ranting and complaining about how bad this team is and how much of a dysfunctional organization we've fallen in love with.
1: It does seem like, as time goes on, their level of dysfunction increases. When we were younger, I never thought of them as dysfunctional, right? You had... Yeah the uh, vinnie Testaverdi years the pennington years and then we went right into the rex ryan mat. and like it didn't feel dysfunctional it's just the last 10 years it's been horrible and like i think last year or the year before felt like the hopefully the crest the high point of dysfunction we have one thing we need to do before we i think will ever be considered functional you know what that thing is gentlemen
0: What's win that? a super bowl
1: <laughs> no, no, no. We need to get rid of Adam Gase, and that's the Oh my god! It sounds on... so.
0: It sounds so crazy to actually saying those words. <laughs> what to win a Super Bowl? Yeah. Well, for...
1: <laughs> step one is get rid of Adam Gase, and that was the next thing on our outline. So, Justin,
0: how much do you love Adam Gase? On a scale of uh, one to a hundred, I don't know, like, like negative a thousand. I mean,
1: it, could, there, could I mean you make a scale and then you don't even use it? What's the point? Wow, Adam. Wow, so, you you decided on the scale. You could have picked negative a thousand as your one of your extremes.
0: Fine. So, so do you want me to say one? Would that make you feel better?
1: No, I don't. No, negative a thousand is just about right for Adam Gaze.
0: I mean, I mean, what what are the redeeming qualities in Adam Gaze? I mean, who? I mean, other than uh, Christopher Johnson, is there anybody that actually still wants this guy here? I mean, it's like what I more mean- do.
1: We joke about how Adam Gase's mother doesn't like him, but do you think his mother wants him to stay the coaches of the Jets? Every news story is just like, when is he going to get fired? Just someone needs to just fire him. He can't even want to be the coach of the Jets anymore. If he gets fired, he'll get his salary, right? It's not like it would probably just be good for him at this point to just move on.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm sorry. It's just, it's just so frustrating because it's bad enough that this guy just – does it? You know, it seems like all oh, his players don't like him. It doesn't seem like, uh, but again, other than the owner, it doesn't seem like anybody in the organization likes him. Uh, he's about as uncreative a play caller as you could be. But now, all of a sudden, he's like putting players in harm's way. I mean, the fact that he's had to now, you know, have a press conference and come out and say that he has to apologize to Le'Veon Bell, a guy who he famously and you know very clearly doesn't like. But came out and said that, yeah, I probably shouldn't have let Le'Veon Bell play in the second half. He was hurting after the first half in the game. And now comes out and, you know, well, lets him play. He I, gets hurt worse. You know, I don't necessarily, necessarily blame... Apologizing for it. It's like... I don't necessarily what blame Gase as much for that. Wait, during,
1: the, during training camp, he said uh, he said Bell had a hamstring injury and he didn't want to play him. And then Bell's like, no, I don't play me. So at some point, Le'Veon Bell is a little responsible for whether he goes back in. Right. I, Bell, I, I I, seriously don't want to be in the position of defending Adam Gase, but in that th- I, I kind of get it. Bell had gone on record saying his hamstring was fine. Clearly, his hamstring was not fine.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I guess you could say that uh, Adam Gase can't actually, you know, feel inside of uh, Lev Bell's leg and know if uh, <laughs> it's hurting. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I, see, I, I guess I, if if, uh, if we want to use that as a defense of Adam Gase, we're really, uh, you know, <laughs> pulling at straws here.
2: See, I couldn't help but, but think uh, of Varsity Blues <laughs> in this scenario, where Adam Gase basically plays the role of Coach Bud Kilmer, and he's injecting Le'Veon Bell with some kind of painkiller, telling him, get back out there, we are not losing week one to the Buffalo Bills, and then afterwards had to apologize for it. Um, it it's just incredible. It's another chapter of this story of the Jets being the Jets you know you have your star running back a guy you're paying how many 50 million over four years was that the deal I can't even remember the point is you're paying him an asinine amount of money guys clearly gets injured in the first half of the first game and he tries to still run him into the ground and look where we're at now he's on the IR you know I'm sorry if I'm jumping ahead a little bit here but he's on the IR for at least three weeks it looks like and you know that puts the Jets now in a big hole as far as our running game goes
0: well, you so, know what? Well, I want you know, to
1: step back for a second. This is important. So, um, you mentioned the movie Varsity Blues. I've actually never seen
0: the movie Varsity Blues. What? But Oh, come on. But, but all time classic. Adam, so, I, we might have to scrap this whole podcast. If our listeners find out that you've never seen Varsity Blues, I think we're just going to turn off everybody.
1: But, fun fact So, Allie Larder, who plays um, the captain of the cheerleading squad, you know who uh, tried out for the role of uh, Darcy Sears? Who? Angela from The Office. That's a true story. Isn't that crazy? That's really strange.
0: (laughs) I understand what you're trying to do. You're trying to gain favor by uh, (laughs) pulling about an interesting factoid about a cast member from The Office, because everybody loves The Office, but uh, you're you're still, you know, you're you're deflecting from the fact that you've never seen one of the best uh, football movies of all time. I mean, Varsity Blues is an absolute classic. I cannot believe you've never seen it.
1: Sorry, we should probably get back to the to yeah, the Jets. I'm I'm just what like
0: I'm we so blown off? away that you haven't seen this movie. I'm sorry, it's really throwing me.
1: Wow, I threw him so much. James ran away. I'm right oh, ready. No, he's, he's back now. <laughs>
0: All right. So okay, o- let's,
1: we at, What jet point did I get us off of?
0: I don't know, but let's get let's get back on the point that uh, let's criticize Adam Gase for the things that you know we can more discernibly criticize him for. Like you said, you know the it, playing a guy when he may or may not be hurt. Can be a little tricky, but there certainly was a lack of creativity in the play calling. It felt like every play this entire game was dink and dunk. And it's not like Sam Darnold can't throw down the field. We've seen him do Whoa. it before. Uh, I don't know. And in spots, we have seen him play well. Adam, me, and you, we were at the Cowboy game last year where you know, Sam Darnold, you know, looked excellent. Uh, you know, and again, there were there were times when he looked really good. There were a lot of times where he did not look really good, but it just felt like Justin, it was the I, same thing over and over again i think there's a again.
1: chance that gates was just like we don't have any personnel and sam darnold does not look confident and i can't trust him to throw downfield he looked horrendous so i mean he was under pressure a lot the bills have one of the best defenses in the league but sam darnold has been making a lot of made a lot really bad, a lot of bad decisions mm. um particularly when he's in the pocket like if you watch his feet his feet are never set when he when he throws the ball um he's just he looks not great, and I kind of understand why to simplify the offense for him. Um, they don't.
0: But, don't, once don't you, but once you fall see down, what they could have done differently. But I mean, once you fall down twenty-one nothing, why not at least say, "Okay, Brashad Perriman's really fast. Why not just run really fast down the right. field and throw something?" Brashad up? If you Perriman is being covered by the best cornerback in all of football. Jadarius okay, but once, white, you down once you're 10. down twenty-one, once you're down twenty-one nothing. What's the difference if he throws another pick? Like at least take then a his a chance. Then his,
1: then his confidence is totally shot, and maybe he's really done. I think he was trying to protect him with the dunk and dunk.
0: Uh, I don't know. I can't believe you're defending Adam Gase's play call. All right. Well, how, I, about, I how, how about how about this? Do you defend won. the fact that down twenty-one nothing, late in the first half, this is I think the only time the whole game where they actually like on their own drove the ball past uh, midfield, with the exception of the uh, the sixty-nine yard. Uh, um, catch and run by Jameson yeah. Crowder which was you know a dump off pass that he took to the house which was an unbelievable play by Jameson Crowder but uh, at the end of the first half there were I think there were about uh, 15 seconds left they were maybe at the, uh, the Buffalo 20 or around there they definitely had enough time to maybe take one or two shots at the end zone instead of doing that he uh, he decides we're just gonna dump the ball off gain like an extra like five10 yards uh, spike the football with three seconds left and then kick an easier field goal do you defend that decision and not taking a shot at the end zone when they were you know in in the red zone already no
1: <laughs> I, just, I I I think the problems go a lot deeper than their like how they played. Like were the play calling on Sunday. I think I think there's some serious concerns about Darnold's long term viability. And I think there's more serious concerns about the losing culture and like just a failure to execute and a failure to be prepared for the game. So I don't necessarily like, Well if fault, there's a like, failure to be prepared particular... for the game, shouldn't that be falling on Adam Gase? Yeah, that's his fault. Yeah. I'm saying that the problems are like how Darnold's being developed and how this team is prepared rather than like individual in the moment play calls. I can understand wanting to overutilize screen passes if you don't think your team can execute other plays. Um, I think that's the only thing they thought they could do. But I think the team wasn't prepared and I don't think they have a winning culture. And I think that's very harmful long term, which is why I would just fire him right now. It's just, the, it is the story of the season. It's just when is he going to get fired like it's just it is gonna happen why not yeah, give someone I else mean, a chance to at least instill some sort of a winning culture between now and the end of the season
0: yeah and, and as we've said on previous podcasts a lot of times you reach this point in sports with you know a coach a certain coach or a certain executive and the writing's on the wall and these teams they just keep holding on to this small amount of hope that the guy they have in place is going to turn it around and they end up just you know Hurting their own franchise instead of just you know moving on to a person that might be better, and I I think that's a good transition. Because as we said before we
1: transition, I do want to say I think those same arguments might apply to Darnold. And I at some point, everyone keeps saying like give him another chance, give him another chance. You haven't seen him with a good offensive line. At some point, you're just not a winning player. And his he is an accurate passer, but he makes a lot of terrible decisions. Um, he doesn't seem to be able to operate like a set play very well. He he really only seems to be at his best when he's when the play breaks down and he's on the run or in there in the no huddle. He just seems to be getting in his own way, and I think at some point we can just say he doesn't have it. I'd love to be wrong, but I think we have a nice body of evidence to say that he's probably well, here's... not a upper-tier quarterback.
0: Here's why I don't know if we can say that yet. And... Nobody I don't think people bring this up enough which is why I always try to Sam Darnold is younger than Joe Burrow and by all accounts Joe Burrow is a rookie so people are going to say you know if if you know if he looks decent this year you know they're building towards something it's only his rookie season yada 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 Again Sam Darnold is younger than than Joe Burrow. He came into the NFL when he, I think he was drafted when he was 20 years old. He was a redshirt sophomore at of USC. And he's still such a young guy. Of course, unlike with Joe Burrow, the Jets are in a situation where he's in year three. And they need to, you know, they're ultimately going to have to make a decision on whether or not they're going to have to pay him. Whereas the Cincinnati Bengals have a lot more time because Joe Burrow is in year one, not year three. I just do think it is important from a development standpoint to realize that Sam Darnold is only 23 years old. He's younger, like I said, he's younger than other rookies in the league. Like he's two years younger than Baker Mayfield, he's younger than Lamar Jackson, who still feels super young. Like he's still one of the youngest quarterbacks in the league and there's definitely room to grow but and he said I've, that
1: before i just i don't i think the problems he has have to do with being instinctual and i don't necessarily see them getting better and i don't see a lot of track writers rac- records of guys in, in their third year who have problems like this miraculously becoming you know good in tough situations and making the right decision um he reminds me an awful lot of mark sanchez the same bad decisions in both of them just throwing picks at bad times throwing the balls to the wrong player at bad times it's it's deja vu for me. I don't know. I... It's so sad. That's it. I just I don't necessarily I don't see any
0: counter evidence. As you oh. know, I'm I'm a Mark Sanchez defender, and I think one of the major differences though is that Mark Sanchez I felt like his development was almost intentionally interrupted because they felt like it was for the better of the team to not let him do a lot. Uh, because the roster around him was so good. And I think this brings up something where, Adam, where you've said so many times, it's... If you could have written a three-year script on how are we going to mess up the development of a quarterback, it's every single thing the Jets have done over the last yeah. three years, multiple executives, multiple head coaches, multiple offensive coordinators, bad offensive lines, um, consistently not giving him weapons to work with. Uh, you know, having guys that, you know, he seems to have some chemistry with and then not re signing him. You know, in a, in a Robbie Anderson, uh, I mean, you saw what Robbie Anderson did this past week for Carolina.
1: Uh, oh, it was one game
0: and one No, I understand it's best. one game, down, but. Out, Robbie Anderson. <laughs> Well, I just think it's fair to say that if you look at their careers, I mean, Robbie Anderson has had a better career than Brashad Perriman. I I don't know that Brashad Perriman is a, you know, sufficient replacement. And the Jets were so far under the cap. it, It just feels like Robbie Anderson is a guy they clearly could have brought back. I mean, maybe they didn't because Robbie Anderson, by all accounts, seems to be a bad human being. He's gotten into a lot of trouble off the field, and maybe that was, you know... A reason why Joe Joe Douglas didn't want to pay him, but I mean, you have to I, at least blame Joe Douglas I think Joe a Douglas isn't
1: trying to win, and I don't necessarily blame him. Um, Maybe I don't not. Think but his roster is ready to do anything. We're well, we're belaboring this. Let's get off it. There were some good things. I'm sorry to cut you off. We're just we're going back and forth. There were some good things about the Jets that we wanted to talk about.
0: Do um, so you wanted to start by talking about Greg the Bounty Hunter, Justin? Yeah, we could talk about Greg Williams. I mean, you know, the defense. It it, it didn't look. Amazing, but I also didn't think they necessarily looked terrible. I mean, the, the offense didn't do them any favors. The defense was on the field for 42 minutes. Um, and, you know, I think there were certain bright spots. Uh, as we predicted in our last pop. Marcus May without Jamal Adams there looked like an absolute star. Um, I, you know, I think, you know, the secondary might be decent. Uh, you know, again, it's, it's hard for any defense when they're on the field as much as they are, but... Um, if uh you know, I, I think Greg Williams may you know, especially with more reps, may be able to get this defense into a good spot. James Adam, I, don't, I just I don't know if you had any other thoughts on that. Sorry, James, what, what were your thoughts on the defense?
2: To be honest, you know, the way I've been looking at it, not just defense, offense too, is you gotta keep in mind, as much as it pains me to say this because I love trashing the Jets, it's week one. It's there was no preseason. This is their first game action since to since January essentially, and when you factor in the new personnel um this is the first time they're playing together and you're playing going up against a tough team like buffalo um you know but that being said i think the defense definitely showed some signs of promise but it also it's, it was against buffalo and josh allen is great he, he's a young promising quarterback but i don't think they possess the weapons that a lot of these other teams have that the jets are ultimately going to end up facing so you know, I think they did all right considering it was Buffalo, but I'm interested to see what they do moving forward when they play some of these tougher teams. Um, what do you guys My think? concern
1: with the defense is, so Marcus May looked great. Bless Austin looked great. Pierre Desir looked so bad that they had to pull him off the field at one point because he was such a liability. They don't have an edge rusher. They're, they're off at, their defensive line can't get any pressure. The Bills have an average line. They don't have an elite line. Um, and I don't really see where their pressure is coming from, either from their linebacking core or their traditional defensive lineman. And without putting any pressure on the quarterback, you really don't have much upside as a defense. Um, I don't I don't really – I mean, maybe it can be an average defense, but without any pass rush, I don't see how it's going to be good. I mean, do you – was there any signs of a pass rush on Sunday? Like, who's the guy who's putting pressure on any quarterback?
0: I think I mean, we'd hope it <laughs> I mean, I Quinn Williams—that be... was
1: never his mo—is like being an elite pass rusher, and he was average at best on Sunday. And yeah. Harry yeah, he Anderson, and these other guys aren't really good. doing it, and they don't. Like I said, they don't have any linebackers. It's not like they're getting any push from there. They don't have any of these hybrid players who can stand up and go down. I just—it's just not. The, they're not going to be. I honestly, I want to have this conversation. What team do we think is worse than the Jets in the National Football League right here? Because uh, this year, because I think a lot of us thought it was going to be Jacksonville, and I don't think. After at least week one, I think Jacksonville looked a lot better than the Jets. I think we thought it could be Washington. Washington looked a lot better than the Jets. I don't. I don't necessarily see who's who's worse than this team at this moment.
2: Top yeah, of that's that's
1: <laughs> where we are right now.
2: I mean, top maybe of mind, the I worst th- in the league. I would like to say maybe Miami. the Cleveland
1: Browns, maybe my. Miami looked pretty decent. They were frisky in the New England game, and uh, the Giants played a heck of a game. I know they lost, but Pittsburgh looked elite. Um, I oh, thought they yeah. showed a lot of fight in that game.
0: Um, the only other team I could really think of is the Cleveland Browns, and that's because I don't know Baker the Browns may- are going to end up being better ba- than the Jets. Baker Mayfield no may end up, out. although Baker Mayfield may even be more of a lost cause than Sam Darnold at this point. <sighs> I'm sorry to bring us down. I just I, I think really I- this is the hunt for the number one pick. Well, I think, well, I, I sort of intentionally wanted to bring up the Browns because we were talking about Greg Williams' defense and, you know, whether or not uh, this defense could be any good. As you said, I mean, while they might have a decent secondary, they don't exactly have the best defensive line or uh, much of a linebacking core. But if they are going to get rid of Adam Gase, Greg Williams is going to be promoted as the interim head coach. And I think one thing that's interesting is just two years ago with the Cle- when he was defensive coordinator of the cleveland browns we saw greg williams uh come in and be pretty good as the interim coach for cleveland so just, you know again just to in case people don't remember this two years ago when hugh jackson was the coach of the browns they started two five and one and then uh, after eight games they fired hugh jackson they brought in greg williams as the interim coach the rest of that year they go five and three, and it almost seemed that with just Hugh Jackson, God. Even though Greg Williams is a defensive guy, just the fact that Baker Mayfield didn't have an idiot like Hugh Jackson in his ear, uh, he played great over the final eight games that year. He completed over sixty-eight percent of his passes. He had twenty-two hundred yards. That's the you know on pace for forty-five hundred for a whole season. He had nineteen TDs against eight picks. Uh, and you know Baker Mayfield has never looked that good before or after it. Uh, you know, prior to the Greg Williams in his rookie season, in the, his first six games as a pro, uh, he completed 58.3% of his passes with eight touchdowns and six picks. You could say, well, that's a small sample size. Uh, you know, it was the first six games of his career. But what's interesting about it is that after Greg Williams, so 17 starts over the last two years, he's basically regressed right back to where he was at his first uh, six games. In the last, his last 17 games, Baker Mayfield, he's only completing 58% of his passes, and he's had 23 touchdowns against 22 picks. And unlike a Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield does have legitimate weapons to throw to. Uh, so, I, again, Justin. maybe the simple answer here is just let Greg Williams go and just not have an idiot like Adam Gase talking to Sam Darnold. Or at the very minimum, I'd love to you know just find out. Because what I just want to know is do we have something here with – Sam Darnold, or are we going to have the first pick in the draft and you know draft Trevor Lawrence? Like we just we need to I, know. I, it just seems
1: like a very strange point to be saying that Greg Williams is what made Baker Mayfield good, or that Greg Williams, I'm just who's say, a defensive specialist, could court, make Sam Darnold. Good. I don't. Really I mean, I'm maybe
0: look. I'm chair. not. I'm not saying that Greg Williams, a defensive coach, is necessarily the reason that baker mayfield was good like i don't think he was i think he was uh,
1: skinnier and they were using a ton of play action <laughs> which is why i think they'll actually be good i think i think baker will be good at some point kevin stefanski runs a really good play action offense what have you seen from think,
0: baker what have you seen from baker mayfield over the last uh, 17 games or you know so since since greg williams that would pr- make you think he's going to be any good so I his completion percentage isn't stefanski, good he throws a lot of and picks
1: we I don't know why we're talking about Baker Mayfield on this podcast, but what I'll say is everyone kind of the – It's the relatable. No, it's relatable. It's relatable during, because Baker so Mayfield the, and Sam Darnold – Back off. Whoa. So what whoa. everyone don't said don't during the offseason off. was that new coaches were going to struggle and that new coaches it was going to take them a while to institute their playbook and get everyone on the same page. So the Browns had a new coach. They, had a, they have a very different offense that they're running. They're running an offense that is tailor-made – to what Baker Mayfield's strengths are, and I don't think it should be a you surprise. You just have this weird the best obsession. Best team in the league, that they were bad.
0: You have this weird obsession with the Browns. Last week, when we made our picks, you picked the Browns to cover against the Ravens. The Jets were closer to covering against the Bills than the Browns were to covering against the Ravens.
1: Right.
2: That was a terrible. I... Pick. Silence.
1: <laughs> I I still think the Browns will be good. I just I think, th- I think it Sipansky has skill a little bit of time.
0: I think the reason Baker looked good with Greg Williams just had more to do with the fact that the team, as a whole, was playing hard under him. He was clearly a better coach than Hugh Jackson, and I think just the Same fact Sam that the Donald's whole team not trying right now, Justin. I just think no, but when the whole team is playing better, better things happen and more. Good things happen, and I think they just well, the need another line human played being. A
1: whole lot better than it did last year. And Sam, they, still I don't
0: understand. Him. It's you know, you say you hate Adam Gaze, but it just sounds like you're defending him the whole time. I don't understand it. I don't know which way you lean, James.
2: I was never an Adam Gaze fan. Um, you know, from the minute Thank they hired him, it it just screamed disaster. Not one person thought it was a good move. Uh, going to quote Adam. I don't Peyton think Manning his mother did. thought it was a good move. While Peyton Manning. Uh, he, we really we eat. have
1: to find out if Adam Gase's mom is still alive, because if she's not, we have a lot of editing to do.
0: And the fact that the Jets We, we ever talk live. about her an
1: awful lot on this podcast.
0: And the, the fact that the Jets ever do anything that uh, Peyton Manning would say... I mean, has had Peyton Manning ever tried to help the Jets? He's only tried to sabotage the Jets forever. Peyton Manning freaking stayed in college an extra season in order to not play for the Jets. This is something so why that do you keep happened.
1: saying that I like Adam Gase. I just I'm lower on Sam Donald than I guess the rest of you are, and I think the roster doesn't have any. Talent. I'm just saying I we Adam need to Gase find out,
0: probably. and I think he you know could. I'm just saying that yes, we have Spider-Man. some evidence do to say a, that with else, a different head coach.
1: Anybody else?
0: I'm just. No, but we saw something two Bring years Freddie ago. Bring
1: Freddie Kitches in.
0: Well, to, not, to Justin's him.
2: point, I would like to see Sam Donald under a new quarter, a uh, new coach. I think Adam Gase is certainly holding him back. He's held back. <laughs> You know, when he was in Miami, there was nothing impressive going on there with the run game, with the pass game, nothing. Now he's here, and he's clearly running this team to the ground. So kind of like what we were saying about Cleveland. I'd like to see a little bit of a change and just see what happens. Can, you know, once once the leash is taken off of Darnold, does he have a chance to, make, to show that it was worth taking him with the third overall pick that year? Um, you know, you look back, the year before we took Darnold, do you remember who we... We took Jamal Adams, but we could have had Mahomes, could have had Watson. There's just, you know, you're looking at that opportunity cost of what we could have had. So we look at Darnold. We think he's the savior. We hope he's the savior. But I think we need to give him a real shot under a a coach who is very quarterback friendly. And let's be real, Gase is not that.
1: You know what they should do? This is a great idea. This is going to make you both throw up. (laughs) Oh, no. So they should fire uh, Adam Gase, and then they should hire Peyton as their offensive coordinator or head coach, and they should only run no huddle because that's when Darnold's at his best. This is actually a really good idea. Clearly, <laughs> the, the owners talk to Peyton because that's why Adam Gase got the job. And we know Darnold does a lot better in no huddle when he doesn't have to think, so it seems like a match made in heaven. Peyton's whole career was no huddle.
0: If it means do it. Adam Gase is not going to be the coach, I'm all for it. Uh, we could I have
1: just... jet-themed chicken parm commercials. How great would that be? <laughs> That's the best part about Peyton Manning's career is the chicken parm song.
0: All right. Before before we get into our, <laughs> our weekly picks, um, I want to talk about something James said. And I, I don't even know if you meant to uh, make this point, but, you, but another uh, great aspect of your point is, like you said, Adam Gase not being quarterback friendly. And I just think it's fair to say that uh, – when he had Ryan Tannehill, we really never saw anything all that great from Ryan Tannehill. And then all of a sudden, now he's with Tennessee, and he looks awesome. And, you know, I mean, maybe ta- a guy like Tannehill would be the case to say that, uh, you know, I mean, for, for years, Tannehill was, you know, a very average at best quarterback. And, you know, he went to a new organization, and now he's having a lot of success. And, you know, for – I mean, it's a, sm- a small-ish sample size, but he's looked great in Tennessee. And, you know, so – I think, you know, I mean, I think and there's been examples over the years where guys, you know, maybe just they get drafted into such a bad and toxic situation and, uh, you know, they find success elsewhere. And th- that is something that does also really scare me as a Jets fan is that they're going to decide that Sam Donald is no good and then he's going to catch on somewhere else and just be really successful because he is still super young and with the right coaching and, you know, with the right weapons around him, maybe he could be good
1: what i will say is uh you see a lot in organizations that there's some leaders who just think like my system's the way to go and i don't really care what people i'm working with i'm just going to institute my system and we see in football and i think in the real world that people who are successful build systems that maximize the skill set of their people so bill belichick doesn't have like the bill belichick offense or the bill belichick defense he looks at the game plan he looks at his teams that this is what's going to work this week adam gase runs the same stupid offense every week we need someone who's gonna look at whatever weird personnel they have and say this is what we need to do right now it just it seems like he's completely not creative what are yeah. you laughing about Justin
0: everything you're saying it's just its just the <laughs> truth oh okay <laughs> well, would you guys do anything uh, now
1: so I think we, we all agree that they should fire Adam Gase is there anything else you think this team should do right now in this moment
0: that Other than fire uh, Adam Gase? I
1: said that. You're just not listening to me now. I said, besides firing Adam Gase.
0: I mean, I'd like to see them be a little more creative with their offensive play calling um, as much as you can be. I mean, who knows? I mean, Adam Gase, fi- if he doesn't fail his physical again, Adam Gase brought Kalen Bal- tried to bring Calen yeah. Bellage in again. Maybe Calen Bellage is the savior. They'll should be they able to run their Alan whole Robinson, offense through Calen Bellage. Should they <laughs> trade for Calen Robinson? I would. Um, I mean, he he's requesting a trade out of Chicago. Um, I mean, if we are going to find out if uh, Sam Darnold is any good, I mean, it would be nice to give him a real number one wide receiver and a real weapon to try and work with. Uh, I would. Um, I I think I'd go as far as saying I'd give up one of the Seattle first-round picks to do it. I oh certainly wouldn't God. give up my own. That's
1: insane. That's, that's a horrible take.
0: Well... I also say that because there's not going to be much of a difference between Seattle's first-round pick and the Jets' second-round pick. What would you give up for Allen Robinson? Or for would you not trade? Yeah.
1: A fourth-round pick?
0: No, Alan I'm not Robinson's giving up draft
1: capital. I'm This team's windows two to three years from now. I'm not giving up anything that's going to cost me that. Yeah, Allen Robinson's really good. I love Allen Robinson. I had Allen Robinson in fantasy when it looked like he was going to be really good. And then Blake Borrells was terrible. I don't want Allen Robinson to play for bad quarterbacks anymore, and as far as I can see, Sam Darnold's not a good quarterback. Someone should send Allen Robinson to go play with a good quarterback. I love me some Allen Robinson. So uh, would
0: what, to, what would you give up for Allen Robinson, James?
2: I would give up as much as a third-rounder, just because I think he is, he, like you said, he's a number-one receiver, something that the Jets haven't had in a long time. Um, you know, going back five years when they had Brandon Marshall, Eric Decker, that was when, that was the last time I actually felt like we had a good offensive attack, um, through the air. So it'd be nice to get somebody that Donald can learn from and train with, um, you know, they brought in Prashad Perriman fine, but he doesn't scream number one to me. We, they have
0: no, not at all.
2: Nah, so... It,
0: Denzel Mims?
2: <laughs> yeah, Denzel Mims. They don't think
0: he's a number one. They didn't pay him no. like a number
2: one. He got a, a little tiny
1: one-year deal. Yeah. Um, you
2: know, I, so need, I me, mean,
1: I sure, Joe Douglas, he, he knows they need a wide receiver. I just... Yeah, I agree. I wouldn't give up more than a third-rounder. No, nah,
2: but I would do it. <laughs> and as far as, you know, the running game goes, he he's injured now, but well, Michael P. Ryan I think you got to get him in as soon as possible. You know, I know they're going to bring out Frank Gore next game, but it's Frank Gore. The... Did you see the other day that his son is now playing college football? How crazy is that? That Frank Gore has made in the NFL (laughs) long enough that his son is now playing college-level football. That it is not out of the realm of possibility that within three years, both Gores are playing in the NFL at the same time. So the fact that you're running him out there and you're going to rely on him to potentially win you a couple games this year, that's just beyond me. So if I'm the Jets, I'm putting LaMichael Piran out there as soon as I can, see what we got, and then... You know, go from there, but as far as the receiving game goes, yes, do what you can to get Alan Robinson. Get somebody um, to help the Arnold out
1: That's right. a good point. Maybe I would give up a second or a third for a Rob. like it w- I think it really would help his development to have a receiver he could trust and develop some chemistry with because he's never he's never developed chemistry with anybody. I mean, Robbie no. Anderson a little bit, but still like it's not like Robbie Anderson was laying the world on fire.
2: No, he had a known one yeah. for a little bit, um, and now it looks like his career might be done. So it'd be nice to get some stability. No, yeah, his career's over.
1: Yeah. Um, and, so, I mean, we said this briefly. Let's end on a, on a little bit of a high note. The pocket was much better than it's been. Makai Becton, um, it's a small sample size, but PFF grades every player every week. Mekhi Becton was the highest-rated um, offensive rookie lineman. Um, and as we all know, this is a really talented offensive rookie lineman class. Um, he gave up one true. sack, but, I mean, anything can happen on one play. Um, he seemed to be doing well. Uh, Van Rotten, Van Ruden and Alex Lewis also graded out pretty well and looked good. They passed the eye test. Um, George Fant did not. I, I, I think he's more of a del- developmental project. Um, but he's the so captain. Yeah, I mean the line was better. What? George Fant could be the a captain, captain and not very good. He did not play <laughs> very well on Sunday. But I mean, as we also said, the Bills have a really good defense. Um, so maybe the offensive line is going to be better than I thought. That w- that would be great. Maybe we could start moving in a better direction. At least Sam Donald won't be on his back the whole game.
0: Yeah, so um, hopefully they're, they maybe, I don't expect, I certainly don't expect them to beat San Francisco this week, um, but maybe they'll play a little bit better and we'll have something different to talk about. I'm afraid that every week on the podcast, it's just going to be like, oh, team's a mess, Sam Darnold sucks, and Adam Gase needs to be fired until he actually gets fired, and then there's something new to talk about, but I, I mean, guess what it's else the NFL. Do you think? What do you think's going to
1: happen this season? That's what's going to happen. They're not good. Yeah. We couldn't
0: name one team
1: that was better than
0: mm-hmm. them. Nah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Born in '87 fans, get ready for a lot of repetition. <laughs> On that note, let's uh, get into our week two picks. So, uh, this is Adam. a tough slate of games you picked.
1: I, I, I mean, we we all listen to the Bill Simmons podcast where he guessed the line. I think we all think we're pretty good at that. I was pretty good at guessing these lines, but I don't think I'm going to be very good at picking the winners. This is this is a tough slate of games.
0: Yeah, so as we said, we're going to pick four games every week, and within that, we're going to pick every AFC East game this season.
1: And our our guest should play, too, and if he beats both of us, we can hmm. buy him a six-pack?
0: Yep. Oh, so, right. Yeah, James, yep. you got you gotta to beat done. us, though. You can't tie us. So you got to beat us. Deal. Yep. Uh, so for the, for the season, Adam and I are both 2-1-1. One, and one. Tennessee somehow uh, pushed... Against Denver because Stephen Goskowski is a really really bad kicker and I think oh missed my. four different kicks in that game. I thought
1: that game was <laughs> the line of that game was bananas, but what do I?
0: Um, yeah, as, as far as our uh, other picks last week, um, Adam, you were right. The Bills uh, won and covered against the Jets. Uh, I was right and you were wrong in that uh, the Ravens won and covered against the oh, Browns, yeah. and we both were right in that the Patriots were going to win and cover against the Dolphins.
1: Maybe I maybe I need to cool off my Browns takes. Maybe I like them too much. <laughs> There's a lot of evidence that they're not good.
0: (laughs) Yeah, they're not good. Uh, Okay, so first game this week, uh, the San Francisco 49ers at the Jets for the Jets' home opener. San Francisco is favored by 6.5 in this game. This is a 1 o'clock game, so, you know, West Coast team uh, playing on the East Coast at 1 o'clock. Any chance you think the Jets cover in this one? I really, I think the Jets cover. I wouldn't bet on it.
1: I would put $0
0: on it, but I
1: think the Jets cover.
0: Um, I am going to disagree. Um, I think San Francisco, if, if San Francisco had one week, one, I'd say maybe, but I think San Francisco is going to be really pissed off. Uh, they're, you know, they have, they still have a, certainly have talent on that team. Uh, they're not going to want to start zero two. Um, and again, of course they, they could win and not cover since the spread is six and a half, but I, I think they win by double digits in this game. James, wh- wh- who do you have in this one?
2: I've definitely taken San Fran in this game. I think the cover as well, Um, to elaborate on your point, Justin, they're they're the only team in that division right now that's 0-1. All three of Seattle, Arizona, and Los Angeles came away with wins. I think San Francisco's coming out there to show that last year wasn't a fluke, and they're going to make it a point to put the Jets in their place this Sunday.
1: They don't have any wide receivers at the moment, and George Kittle is hurt as well.
2: They just signed. I think they win, but I don't think they're going to score a lot.
0: <laughs> yeah, if this Snow! was. <laughs> if this spread Snow! was 7.5, I might feel a little different. But 6.5, it just it just feels like. You I know, if San Francisco only has to win by a touchdown. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the next game. Uh, so the next game pits two AFC East teams against each other. The Buffalo Bills are at the Miami Dolphins. Buffalo is favored by five. This is a 1 o'clock game. Uh, I'll go first on this one. So. Um, I know a lot of people have very high expectations for Buffalo. Um, I thought their defense looked good. I did I thought Josh Allen did not. I thought it was a lot of the same issues that we've seen time and time again from him. He uh, fumbled the football twice. He had a couple balls that could have easily been intercepted. Um, if I'm a Bills fan, I mean, I like my prospect in terms of that, you know that we should clearly be a playoff team, but I don't know if Josh Allen at least yet is a quarterback that I'm winning a Super Bowl with. Um, all that being said, uh, I, I think they go down to Miami and they win and cover in this game. Miami only lost by ten to the Patriots, but that could have been a lot worse. Nikhil Harry fumbled the football at the one-yard line in that game, which you know could have put uh, the Pats up by seventeen, or you know could have you know had them winning by like seventeen. Uh, so I'm gonna go with Buffalo for the win and the cover. Uh, Buffalo minus five. Adam, I think Buffalo is really good. I think they cover easily. Yeah, and like I said, I said I I don't know if Buffalo is as good as everyone's saying, but I don't think Miami is great. I think they might be better as the season goes along, but yeah, I also like Buffalo. Uh, James, you him Buffalo or Miami in this one?
2: So you know, uh, literally thirty seconds ago, I was thinking the other way, but after hearing your takes and thinking about it a little bit more, I think I'm gonna have to go Buffalo. Um, you know, for a while, I, I always figured Buffalo was gonna win this game, but part of me thought that Miami might have covered at five and a half, but. Uh, I, I can't do it. I'm just trying to think of what Miami has. Like what scares me? They have a couple of running backs that didn't do get a, didn't get anything going against New England. Their number one receiver is now injured. I just think Buffalo is going to find a way to take it to them and get that that six point uh, lead.
0: Okay, so we're all in agreement on that one. All right, next game. The New England. Pa- this is the Sunday night football game this week. The New England Patriots at the Seattle Seahawks. Seattle is favored by four. Uh, who wants to take this one first?
1: This is such a hard game. I I, I really I, I go back and forth on this. I think Seattle. I think Seattle covers.
0: Okay, I'm gonna go the other way. Um, Seattle looked. Amazing! They looked great against the Atlanta Falcons week one. I also think Atlanta has a deplorable defense. Um, I don't think New, I mean New England's defense isn't what it was last year, but I don't know. I just I hate betting against Bill Belichick. I feel like anytime you do it, it uh, it goes against you. I I think this is going to be a really close game. I think it comes right down to the end. I think this is a field goal game. Uh, so I, I'm taking New England with the points. The fact that Seattle I think could, uh, Russell Wilson really wants
1: this game though.
0: I'm sure he does, you know, the whole Super Bowl thing from a few years ago, but the fact that Seattle could win this game by a field goal and New England still covers, for that reason, I'm t- I just think it's really hard to beat New England by four or more. Um, yeah, I'm taking, I'm taking New England in the points.
2: James? This, this was the easiest one for me. It's Seattle, and I think they win by at least a touchdown.
0: Wow, so not feeling Cam in the Pats.
2: No, I I mean, credit to them for beating Buffalo last week, for showing that, okay, you know Brady left, the sky didn't fall, that they could still have, you know, it's still New England, it's still Belichick, they have a competent team, and they can run out there and take it to almost any team in the league. But Seattle, I think, is on a different level right now. And like you said, going back to the memories of the Super Bowl a few years ago, the fact that it's in Seattle, you know, fans or no fans, that's still a tough place to play. Um, I think Seattle's going to take this one.
0: Okay, and our, for our last game this week, we decided to go with a game that pits uh, two teams that the Jets will have to see later this season, and uh, it is the Kansas City Chiefs at the L.A. Chargers. This is a 4:25 uh, Sunday game. It'll be the Chargers' first game in that new, just beautiful, beautiful stadium in Los Angeles. I don't know if you saw, guys, how how beautiful the stadium was. I actually didn't know that the Chargers were playing in the same stadium as the Rams. That's a thing. <laughs> Yes. No, I'm not kidding. Really they're really playing in the same stadium? Yes, they're Englewood. both playing in the same stadium. Okay. Uh, all right. Um, so uh, the I thought the Chiefs, I mean, they're the Super Bowl champs. I thought they looked unbelievable last Thursday night against Houston. Uh, I think just Vegas hasn't adjusted to them yet. This line I think should be double digits. I think Kansas City's is awesome. Um, having to go and play in Los Angeles I don't think is a big deal uh, although actually, though the fact that there's no fans might actually favor the Chargers because that means there'll be no Chiefs fans in the stadium. Either way, I- I'm taking Kansas City minus eight. I don't have a lot to add.
1: Kansas City is really good, and as good as the Chargers' defense is, I don't think it matters against the juggernaut that is the Chiefs. How surprised would it be? How surprised would you guys be if the Chiefs didn't win the Super Bowl this year?
2: Um, I guess the Ravens
1: are almost
0: as good, but they're just. They're scary. Yeah, they're really scary. Yeah, I mean, you know, we'll see what happens during the season. Um, yeah. I they're... mean, the one seed is going to be more important than ever this year, since the two seed doesn't get a bye. Um, which you know, just something to think about. Uh, but uh, I don't. I don't know if I'd be surprised, but I mean, they, they're certainly the heavy favorite. Uh, James, yeah. which way are you going in this game?
2: Oh, so for the game. I didn't even hear what the line was until you had said it again at the end, but it didn't matter to me. It's, it's Kansas eight. City all the way. doesn't matter. You could tell me the line was 12. I still would have said Kansas City. I think this game's not even going to be close. Um, but, yeah, and to, to your point about if Kansas City is making the Super Bowl again, I think it's a – I wouldn't say that yet. Uh, there are a lot of good teams in the AFC. The NFC looked pretty damn good this weekend as well. You know, going back to Seattle, what we were saying a few minutes ago, yeah, Green Bay showed up. They played Minnesota. Grants, it's not the same defense that Minnesota's had over the past few years, but Green Bay looked very impressive. Uh, so I wouldn't exactly crown the Chiefs Super roll champs just yet, but I do think it goes through Kansas City and the AFC, Kansas City or Baltimore at least.
0: Yeah, all good points. All right, well, I think that wraps it up for this edition of the Born in 87 podcast. Thanks Follow for us. coming
1: on, Mr. Arnone.
2: Thank you so yes, much for thank having you. me. This was a blast.
0: Uh, we we appreciate uh, you know we appreciate you sharing your uh, tortured Jets memory and I, I also really appreciate you uh, you know fi- picking a memory that ties so well into uh, the Jets game this week. It's all about synergy, synergy. That's what I do. Also, go Islanders. The reason yes. I like the Islanders is
1: because uh, I always ate dipping Dots at their games. There was lots of Dippin' Dots at Islanders. Ice
2: cream of the future.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, didn't before? seem to
1: work out that way for them. <laughs>
0: Before we sign off, I, I'm, I meant to ask this earlier, and I, I hope some people are still listening. I know we're 50 minutes in. So, James, I, obviously the Islanders made it to the Eastern Conference Finals this year. Um, I'm assuming you do not remember the last time they got there in 1993. Um, I know you've had your uh, a lot of pain with the Islanders. If you, ha- if you had to compare it, which has been the more painful team to root for over the years, the Isles or the Jets?
2: So, I... I... Yeah, you know, that's a very good question. Um, to your, to answer your first question, no, I was not a fan when they made the Eastern Conference Finals last in 1993. I didn't start following them until 96, and right then, it was in the middle of the fish sticks, Jersey era. Uh, Mike Milbury <laughs> was ruining the team every chance he had, so it was rough at first, um, but I have to say, over the last like 10, 15 years or so, it's been much worse being a Jets fan, only because... When the Islander season starts, I've always had this glimmer of hope. You know, you figured they could at least maybe make a playoff push and then go see what happens from there. Um, nine times out of ten, they get knocked out in the first round. But at least there was some hope watching the games. You know, at least you saw that the team was trying. A lot of things were beyond their control. Like, you know, I'm sure you're aware of the arena issues that have plagued this team over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, they've done everything that they could to try and make it better. But going to the Jets, I feel like no matter what there's they know what they have to do and they just never do it like they they know they need to fire somebody they don't do it until it's way too late they know they should draft a certain position they don't do that until years later when you know the guy that they should have grabbed is tearing it up on some other team it's just much worse and it's a little different when comparing the two seasons you know football's only 16 games hockey's 82 so i feel like when every hockey season comes around there's a little bit of hope like i get excited for at least a couple of months the Jets, I got to say, especially like this past Sunday, there was no excitement for me going into this Sunday. Like, I just knew they're going to lose this game. I don't see any hope for this team this year. I hate to say it because I know, like, we're trying to see, send some optimism with this podcast. But to me, this is just, it seems like another lost year. And I hope they could turn it around. But um, it's just, it's not looking good, boys.
0: Wow. So, from a it's diehard not- Isles fan who's never seen his team win a championship said the jets are worse thank you for sharing that you're a great guest today james hope you had fun uh of course if you don't already uh follow us follow us on twitter and instagram at born in 87 pod send us an email bornin 87 pod at gmail.com visit the site born in 87.com and give us a five star review on the apple podcast app app yes app so we're going with yes um So, uh, I I guess uh, to all the Jets fans out there, enjoy week two against San Francisco. uh, (laughs) uh, All right. Have a good one, guys. Have a good one.